the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So what happens after we sin? Are we tossed aside or are we restored? Let's talk about that. How many times have you felt like you've been struggling with sin and you've come to the end of your rope? You've become the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back when it comes to God's grace. Well, we have a passage in front of us today that will encourage you greatly. John chapter 18, verses 15 through 18. It is the restoration of Peter, and it really provides for us very much comfort and a clear understanding that God's grace is deeper than we could ever hope to imagine. From the well, a Christian community in Livermore, California, here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman with today's broadcast. Restoration, John chapter 18, and we're going to look at verses 15 on down to 18. Restoration. Jesus chose Peter. He drew him to himself. He called him out of obscurity. Peter was a fisherman. He was someone that was obviously busy when Jesus found him, communicated his heart to him, and instructed him to follow him. Obviously, over the course of three and a half years of his ministry, Jesus' ministry, Peter was there the whole time. He saw the miracles. He saw the healings. He saw the power of God be released. He saw the Spirit of God rest upon the Lord. He saw Jesus' ups. He saw his downs. He saw his, his moments when, when his back was against the wall, when people lied on Jesus, falsely accused him. He went through the whole ride. He ate with Jesus. They slept in the same quarters. They were very intimate. Their relationship, we know, was a little bit unique. And not only during his time walking with Jesus, but after after Jesus ascended, we see that this relationship was, was continually galvanized and strengthened. And so it's very clear when you read this Bible that Peter knew Jesus in a very, very unusual way. And there was a place in Jesus' heart for Peter that was also a blessing. And, and Peter was a leader. Jesus chose Peter and he knew that he wasn't perfect. He knew that he had flaws. Through the course of their relationship and developing the relationship, Jesus told him that, that he was going to deny him. He told him that he was going to do various things. And Jesus talked to him about his character. We see this uh, several times. But through it all, even though Peter had this relationship with God, we see something here that really is, distur- is disturbing. And we want to learn from this moment. And then allow God to thrust us forward. We want to keep this in our mind. 
So we never lose sight of the fact that no matter how close you are to Jesus, no, how, no matter how intimate you are with Jesus and how, how much of a relationship with you have, that you have with Jesus, if you are not watchful, you will walk away from Jesus. And we have to make sure we don't walk away from Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you've walked away from Jesus, I'm telling you, you're coming back to Jesus today. Can I have an amen, y'all? Look at this. It says this here in, uh, in verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus. This is after he had been arrested. Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her, who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl, who kept the door, said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who made a fire of coal stood there, For it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now, we see very clearly here that obviously Jesus is a disciple. I mean, Peter is a disciple of Jesus. But in this particular verse, we see that he clearly says that he is not. The question that I have when when I see stuff like this is, why? Why did he do that? He clearly knows who Jesus is. He's all these things that I just spoke of, he experienced with the Lord. But in this moment, he denies them and he begins to draw, and he's drawn to these individuals that are outside warming themselves. Those that are in, you know, positions of authority in some ways in this situation. And there are, there are, there are a couple things here, um, three things that I want to highlight that I believe, and I think I can also prove this through Scripture, that are a problem in Peter's mind as he's going through this particular, in this particular situation, as he's in this situation. Number one, I want you to write down the word self-preservation. You know, there is something unhealthy about us that, that we have to all acknowledge. You know, just like, just like Adam, when he fell, the first thing that he tried to do when he fell was to hide and to cover himself. It's self-preservation. And this is a flaw in us. I mean, there's something that we have to, we have to look at. And, it, and it, it can become a fatal fall if we're not watchful. We're just always trying to cover ourselves and protect ourselves and preserve ourselves. Then we're not going to give of ourselves the way that we should, which is the ultimate expression of love. And so in this particular situation, Peter is trying to cover himself. He's trying to hide himself. He's trying to preserve himself because he knows if he identifies with who Jesus is, it's going to, make, it's going to put him in a compromised situation and make him look bad in the midst of these individuals in this particular moment. And oftentimes we're very critical of Peter, but when it comes to self-preservation and our relationship in our relationship with Christ we oftentimes do the same thing 
Instead of us shouting from the rooftop our relationship with Jesus, being unapologetic about our relationship with Jesus, telling people, hey, this is what the Word of God says. I don't know what anybody else said. I just know what this is the Bible says, and whatever the Bible says is what I'm going to say. We'll change things so that people will, will allow us to run with their group, to sit at the bonfire, if you will. And it's a shame we have to make sure that when it comes to our relationship with God, that we refuse to compromise. We refuse to, to water it down. We refuse to shallow it down. We, want the, we should want the world to know that Jesus is real. He died for us. That you can call me a religious fanatic. I don't care. That my relationship with God has brought a sense of security and peace. And I refuse to allow, and we should refuse to allow self-preservation to get the best of us when it comes to sharing who we are openly before the world and, and whose we are openly before the world. Can I have an amen? The second thing that I want to highlight is, and I, and I kind of touched on it, is cultural acceptance. This is huge with the church. The church, and I've been saying this for years now, you know, being a part of the church is not a popularity contest. This is what we do here is real serious business. This is the most important business on the planet. It's keeping people out of hell. There's nothing more important than that. Jobs and this and that. I praise God for all those things. But you can have a great job and go to hell. Now, my prayers is we, we have great jobs and we're going to heaven. Amen. But, but the issue here is this. When we start to allow ourselves from a cultural standpoint to be influenced to the point that we won't identify with God and his principles and his laws and his desires, then once again, self-preservation and cultural acceptance has gotten the best of us. We're going to be outsiders. We don't try to make ourselves outsiders. We try to live God's word and his principles. And ultimately, it leads us to that place. We're not trying to start a fight. But ultimately, there's going to be one built in because God's ways are not man's ways. And God's thoughts are not man's thoughts. And the way that people are, are trying to impose their ways upon the church in my, is shameful. Let us be us. And let God have his way in our midst. Well, what happens is we don't see ourselves as a kingdom in the midst of a kingdom. As a people in the midst of a people. That God is he has separated a people and he's using us to be an example to other people. What happens is we let cultural acceptance get the best of us. We find ourselves falling into the trap. G Peter in this moment. Him identifying with Christ was not culturally acceptable in this moment. It was something that was counter. It was, if he would have identified with Christ, it would have been countercultural. He didn't want to do that in that moment. He was looking for acceptance. I want to, I want to sit at the fire too. I don't want to give any, I'm not going to identify with them right there, with him, you know. I don't want, I don't want, I just want to, hey, I'm just, I'm here with you guys, you know. I, you know him? No, I don't, I'm, I'm not. But this is what we do. 
You know when you go to the job interview and they ask you about yourself? You're not one of those religious people, are you? You know when, you know when, when, you know when you're walking down the street and, and you're single and that person is single and they catch your eye, you catch their eye, and then the next thing you know, she, she comes over, she wants to talk, or you go over, you want to talk to her, and, 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 then, and then they start talking about who they are, and then you know that you love God, you saved, and you're not supposed to be running with nobody that's not saved. But we wait, we wait till five months into the relationship to tell them. Yeah, I am a Christian though, and I don't know if I should be. Wait, wait, but that should be, that, that, that should happen in the very beginning. You saved? You covered in the blood of Jesus? What church you go to? Who your pastor? We not fornicating, so don't even think about it. You, you, um, we don't even do that. Can I have an amen, y'all? But that's the problem. Why? Because I want to be, it's, it, you know, that's weird. You know, that's not, no, no, that's what God said to do. And in order for us to get, to, to display kingdom culture, it's going to be countercultural. And in order for us to sit at the bonfire, we want to make sure it's not wildfire. And so what happens is, in this moment, moment, he's looking for cultural acceptance because what Jesus was promoting was totally countercultural. He wants to find a place at the table. Instead of saying, no, I'm, I am with him. I am with him. Well, you're going to have to get thrown in jail. Well, that's fine. Well, come on. But I'm not denying him. I know him. The next thing that I, that I drew from this is, is fear. The word fear. And it goes into self-preservation. It goes into cultural acceptance. We, we will allow the emotion and feeling of fear to stop us from identifying with Jesus Christ in the midst of the world. It's not just, it is self-preservation, which is rooted in fear, but it is cultural acceptance. I want to find my acceptance. But ultimately, it's just downright fear. People are afraid that their relationship with God is going to shut doors, is going to close off opportunities, is going to stop pro- progress as they see it. Not realizing identifying with Christ is going to open doors. It may not be the door that you wanted open, but it's going to be the door that's necessary to see God's prophetic destiny fulfilled in your life. Can I have an amen? So we got to shake off fear. And get fear out of our lives and be bold in our presentation and and the way in which we exemplify Christ to a world that's looking for answers and they're not going to find it in drugs. They're not going to find it in alcohol. They're not going to find it in relationships. They're not going to find it in pornography. They're not going to find it in filth and perversion. They're going to find it in Jesus Christ. But we can't be afraid to talk about Jesus Christ. And to identify with him. And so this was in Peter's heart. And Jesus knew it. He chose him. Knowing that there's going to be a process to get him where I want him to be. And in some ways, he's going to have to hit rock bottom. For him to get the message. Jesus said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. He said, but I prayed 
that your faith doesn't fail. So what happens is for all of us, it's the same thing. The devil is always going to try us to see if we're willing to walk away from Jesus. To see if we're just following him for the fishes and the loaves. To see if we're just following him because there's some personal benefit for us that we want and that he's serving our purpose. No, we're serving his purpose. And ultimately, we have to see that the world is going to test our commitment to Christ. And are we willing to stand up? And say, Lord, I don't care what happens. I know you. I will not deny you. Give me the grace to never deny you. Can I have an amen? And listen, saints, falling away doesn't mean that you just stop going to church. You can still go to church and be fallen and have fallen. Where it just becomes religious. You know, you just, this is what mama told me to do. I go to church, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't go out there and tell them about him though. Tell everybody about Jesus. Be unapologetic about Jesus. Jesus died for you. He was buried for you. He rose out of that grave for you. And if you were the only person that needed salvation, he would have died for you. You have been redeemed. You have been, you have been justified. You have been purchased with a price. God tells us to glorify him in our body and our spirit, which belong to you. You do not belong to yourself. You are a purchased possession. God has sent his son to die for you that he might redeem you. My goodness. And then take you as his prized possession and sit you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and allow you to have access to his name, which is above every name. He has given you the power to overcome every addiction, every bondage, all all forms of perversion. He has given you the opportunity to make restoration in some cases when you need to. Restitution in some cases when you need to. Jesus has forgiven you of all your sins. My goodness, Jesus has healed your body. He has dispatched angels to walk beside you and to lead you in the way. He has released the Holy Spirit to get down on the inside of your body. My God, don't make me start preaching in here. To get down on the inside of your body and to speak to you and to walk with you and to lead and guide you into all truth. To teach you the great mysteries of the kingdom. To open the eyes of the blind that they might see the power of darkness and the power of God. And that greater is he that is in me than he that, whoo, my God. That greater is he that is in me that is in the world. How could I ever deny the Lord when he is all these gifts and blessings and treasures and, and everybody just worried about money. I got, I got a treasure in an earthen vessel that nobody can ever. I'm telling you right now. We got to understand, saints, that we can never, we, we should never deny the Lord. I don't care what the devil places in front of you. But the thing I love about this story is that it doesn't end right here. Go to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Restoration. It's amazing that if you fall down and bump your head, that God 
He's still in the restoration business. But look what he says here. John 21 verse 15. Jesus has called for Simon. Simon has come. And obviously the restoration process is in a full swing here. And in verse 15 it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, The same one that we saw in chapter 18 has now come back. He understands what has happened. But Jesus says some things here that are, that are critical. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, he says, feed my lambs. I was talking about this last week. When the concept of feeding when it comes to lambs is, has more to do with finding pasture that is uh, suitable for the lambs so that they can continue to grow and nourish. The lambs have the responsibility to eat in the pasture that has been provided and so, or has been led to. And so all of us, you know, and I say this once again, as a pastor, my job is to preach messages like this and to help all of us find safe places to eat because there's a lot of pits out there. But it's not my job to make you eat. You have to feed yourself. And Monday through, Monday through Saturday, my expectation is you guys are out there. You're in your Bible every day seeking God, growing and maturing. And I just come here to give you a shot in the arm and tell you another place where you can find some good food. And best believe it's going to be somewhere in this book. And so Jesus tells them this. He says, if you love me. He says, yes, Lord, I know you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you, be, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now I want to stop here because one of the things that we see Jesus doing here is he's getting him to a place where he understands that the true love is, it helps you to overcome the power of self-preservation, cultural acceptance, and fear. Matter of fact, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has torment. And so what happens is, Jesus is counteracting what he saw and what he, what he knows is taking place in Peter's past. Jesus is counteracting this by bringing him not to some other thing. He brings him straight to the issue that is love. Do you love me more? Do you love me more? And the way that you're going to show me that you love me more is by laying down your life. For not only for me, but for other people. Remember that the cross, it points up and it spreads out. And so, 
We want to have our relationship with God right, but we also want to be willing to lay down our lives for others. And this is the ultimate expression of love. Jesus asked him about this three times. You love me, now go and lay down your life for somebody else. Be a blessing to somebody else. Give yourself for somebody else. Help somebody else. Do something for somebody else. When it's not convenient, when you don't feel well, when you don't know always what to do, and you don't, you don't have a perfect relationship with it, are you willing to give of yourself to be a blessing to somebody else? If you love me, do something for somebody. And for us as a church, my prayer is that our church is a big-hearted church. That we're willing to give of ourselves to benefit and bless other people. Now, we're not going to take any mess, though. Big heart doesn't mean that we just let people act a fool in the church. That's what some people think. That's not the sign of a healthy church, just letting everybody act a fool. Because love, according to this Bible, is knowledgeable and discerning. Well, thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. This program is the production of The Well Christian Community. And we pray today's broadcast has blessed you and has encouraged you in Christ. If it has, would you take a moment and let us know? There are several ways that you can contact us. First, by mail. The Well Christian Community. Address your envelope to 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore. The zip code is 94551. You can also stop by our website, learn more about us, and drop us an email, thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. And then, of course, by phone, 925-292-7800. That's 925-292-7800. As you visit our website, don't forget to look for the link to our Facebook page. And if you're on Facebook, simply search The Well Christian Community. You can even follow Pastor Napoleon on Twitter with the address at Napoleon Kaufman, all one word. Until next time, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life and may he bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.